Hey sister, welcome back to the Your Sorority Journey podcast. If you've been a listener with us for several episodes or since day one, I want you to take a second and think about how you feel listening to each conversation we have on here. Do you feel like you're listening to an interview, a structured list of questions be answered? Or are you listening to women tell their story? What I love about the conversations I get to have on the Your Story Journey podcast is getting to hear women's stories. And Haley Mangrum is a natural storyteller. The way she describes the things that she's experienced and finds meaning in what she's lived through is so inspiring and makes me so overjoyed to be able to share her story with you today. I'm sure at one point or another in your sorority journey, you looked from side to side and compared your journey to somebody else's. You compared your passions and your aspirations to a sister's. It's so common, especially as women, for us to feel behind or missing out on the things that we want when we forget that those might not be the things designed best fit for us. I feel that it is so intentional that we are having Haley on the podcast today to help you reorient with where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to focus on and aspire to, and allowing that to be fluid and recognizing that can change. Through Haley's vulnerability, common themes really struck a chord with me. As you all know, I am very open on this platform. I feel like I share a lot of my personal life through her sorority journey and the podcast. But I've been told, and I think it's really good advice, not to talk about things that you're living through until you've learned from them, until you're on the other side of the grief and the lessons. And maybe some of you have picked up on it, but this has been a really transitional couple months for me. And this conversation that Haley and I had brought a lot of that up in a way that I felt that I couldn't ignore. And so I share that to let you all know that part of the conversation we have today is really raw. It's really real. And in full transparency, I think it is the truest form of women's empowerment, as you'll hear Haley say later on the episode. So know that I am still learning through and healing from some recent experiences, but I'm committed to being vulnerable and real in hopes that it will inspire you in what feels like your brokenness. So now that your expectations are set for what you are getting into on today's episode, I want to challenge you to think about how these skills translate into a professional work environment. How learning through some of this hardship and life experiences through the lens of sorority is really equipping you for what is to come. I think sometimes we know that we're really strongly equipped for professional spaces, future relationships, internship opportunities, or grad school, but we don't know how to explain our sorority experience in terms that will make us stand out as the ideal candidate. Join us next Tuesday, February 16th for Sell Your Sorority Skills, a virtual workshop hosted by Her Sorority Journey at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
We would love to have you and your sisters there to help you uncover the experience you have that's going to help you stand out in an applicant pool. You can register at our link in bio or find more information on Instagram. Here's my conversation with my new rock star sister friend, Haley. Hey sister, Cassie Little here to welcome you to your sorority journey, a podcast for sisters to find guidance and confidence in any season of their membership. Our rock star guests and I have intentional conversations, discuss unpopular topics and provide relevant encouragement to be an extension of your sisterhood. So thanks for inviting us on your journey. Are you ready to dive in? Welcome to the Your Sorority Journey podcast, Haley. I am so excited to welcome you into our community and share your story today. I'm equally as excited. Thank you for inviting me. How is your Friday going? We're recording at the end of a crazy week. How are you feeling? I am excited. I am literally excited to lay on my couch. Like I don't have any plans. Yeah. We're just gonna, we're gonna rock and roll right here on the couch. I might go outside, but I'll probably be on the couch. Yeah. How's the weather in Charlotte? So it's so funny because I was talking to one of my good friends and I was like, oh, it's going to be nice this weekend. It's going to be high 50s. It's almost going to be 60, like Super Bowl weekend. I don't know who's playing, but I'm like, it'll be a good time. Like, you know, sun shining. And he's like, 50, high 50s where? And I'm like, uh, in Charlotte. He's like, it says it's going to rain and it's going to be gloomy and it's going to oh, be like 51. No. And so I go back and look and my dreams are crushed. So the weatherman uh, was wrong a few days prior. (laughs) What's happening? It's so the sun is kind of peeking out, but kind of not. So, um, but the weather is fine. It's just super humid. So Mm, yeah, especially when it rains, like in the Southeast, it's just like this, like mist that you're walking through. (laughs) Spitting on me. Like what is happening here? That was going to be my follow-up question was, are you watching the Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't know. I probably will. <laughs> like, I'll probably, my neighbors always call and be like, hey, what are you doing? Let's watch. And they, I'm sure they don't even know who's playing either. So, we'll uh, yeah. I, uh, I don't know if my roommates even know who's playing. I, I can't tell you. I have some friends that are invested. Um, but yeah, I also have a chill weekend ahead of me. So, I'm very, very excited for that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Haley, I am really excited to talk about your sorority experience, the things that you've learned from it and the takeaways that you want to share with the women in our community. So why don't we just start with your journey, like wherever that starting point is for you through your current role with it, role with sorority. So (laughs) before I got to college, I'll never forget Cassie. I was in the, I was in the car. Can I call you Cass? I don't know. Either. Yep. Yeah. I, I love it when people call me Cass. Cause it's like, okay, we're sisters, you know, we're We're cool now. We're cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're cool now. So, um, when I was in the car, we were going on a, a, some campus tour. I think I was with my cousin, um, my aunt, she's not really my aunt, but she was our neighbor, but you know, that kind of family connection. It's like, you're totally, I have a lot of aunts and uncles. Yeah. And they're not really, you know, so that anyway, like r- relatives. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're not related. Like, where did this come from? They're just cool. And so um, and my mother and we were driving to a college and I'll never forget. She was like, oh, Haley, are you going to join a sorority? And I was like, what's that? And she was like, you don't know about sororities and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm going to college to be in student government. Like that was my whole focus. I'm about to and run my school. <laughs> literally, I'm just going to run the campus like Western Michigan. No, it's Haley's campus. Like you're at Haley University. Like that was my goal, right? And so I did that. 
But when I got there, um, I learned about Greek life. I still wasn't interested. A lot of my friends wanted to go Greek, still wasn't interested. It wasn't until um, a friend was pursuing a fraternity and within the National Panhellenic Council, um, also known as the Divine Nine, also known as NPHC, um, and there was this book. It was thick. I was looking to see if I had it. It's thick, um, and it was the history of the history of African American fraternities and sororities, the Divine wow. Nine, written by Lawrence C. Ross. He's a he's a member of Alpha Phi Alpha. And so I'm like, Carlos, I'm not about to read this. Like, who's this? I don't even read my books for school. Like, what? And he's like, you need to read it. Like. I think you would be great in a sorority, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, huh, okay, I'll read on the history of the four sororities within this council and we'll see what, what happens. And I couldn't stop reading about one sorority in particular. Like I would be in class researching the organization. I would be on the website. I would be learning about things. And what, you know, captivated my interest in this organization in particular was because I was invested in social justice. I love politics. Mm. My major at the time was political science. Um, and so I love like student government, leadership, advocacy. That was my area um, as a young college student. That, that's what I was like into. And here's an organization that literally paved the way for people who look like me to do such a thing. I mean, my founders were at the women's mark, like the- the oh, Gives me chills. The, yeah, like, um, and that was their first public act of service. So the organization is founded in January of 1913. And then in March of 1913, these women are already out there doing work, right? And so the, the kicker though, is they were at the women's suffrage march, but they were in the back. So they weren't even allowed to be in the front of the march. They weren't allowed to participate um, as, you know, white women were able to participate in that march. And so um, I think it was just like learning about that, understanding who I was and my black womanness. it was like, well, why wouldn't I be a member? Like, like, I have to be a member of this organization. This makes sense for me. Um, and so when I think about me being able to become a member, I didn't get to be, become a member until my senior year of college, but I think it was all in due timing. And when I tell you, it's just, I don't know, I still get chills thinking about it. Like, oh my God, I'm really a Delta. Like, this is, this is dope. Like, I, I, I was so like, you know, excited. I, I never wanted to be a member, you know, of, of sor- or thought I didn't want to be a member of a sorority learned about this organization, pursued it, and got to become a member. So that's what I think about when I think about my journey. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes a lot of women, this is something that they might have a similar experience with an aunt or a mom where mm-hmm. they're like, you, have you thought about being in a sorority? I, maybe I was in a sorority. This was my experience. And it's something that mm-hmm. I think a lot of women just kind of go along with, right? Something that they Mm -hmm. not necessarily fall into, but they kind of go through the motions in getting Mm -hmm. there. And so I love the intentionality of your story, right? Like it wasn't just something you were like kind of on the fence about, if anything, (laughs) kind of hesitant to, and it took Mm -hmm. like intense research for you to find a place that totally aligned, not just with like things that you things that like made sense and things that you valued as a woman of color, Mm -hmm. but also things that were like innate to Haley. Like I care about advocacy. I care about Mm -hmm. like leadership and Mm -hmm. being driven. So I think that's really cool and definitely like a unique entrance into the sorority space. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So like catch us up to speed of what being a Delta, like what role that has played in your life since Mm -hmm. being an undergrad at Western Michigan. Yeah. So I think the cool thing about, Um, My organization in particular is that 
I mean, Delta in, in the, what is it, science world, math world, I don't know, stands for change, right? And so a lot of it's like the change agents, the, the trailblazers, the, the, you know what I'm saying? Like there, are, we have a lot of okay, members that is who, so cool. who hold positions in like, um, like, I don't even, government. <laughs> like, what is the word? Yes, right? Like, Congress. Right. Yeah, there we go. Senate, like, yeah. Kaylee, what are you talking about? Right. And so, um, when I think about that, a lot of the stuff that, that made me the best Delta that I could be was stuff that I was doing prior to my membership. So I was already involved on campus. I was already cool with people on campus. I was already making sure, you know, anytime freshmen came to campus, I'm like, you good? You need anything? Okay. Here's what this is. You know, like that, I was the tour guide. I was the person who called and said, congrats, you got it. You accepted or, you know, all these different things. So I was placed in spaces to help acclimate other people, make them feel welcome and included. And so that's always been a part of who I am. That's also a part of our organization. And so um, leading the way for other folks, helping change something for somebody else to be better or experience it in a better light. And so um, I think that that's what comes to mind. When I think about my membership, what Delta looks like now, I'm still involved as an alumni member. And so, still pay dues, <laughs> still, you know, go to meetings and things of that nature, still involved. Um, but it's, it's so dope. It's, it's such a cool opportunity. I love that. I, uh, I think it's really also unique that you had experience like acting like a member or like yeah. living out the values of an organization before you wore the letters or like had the responsibility or like membership uh-huh. expectation of that. What was the transition like for you when you like, <laughs> did become a member after holding all of these experiences or holding all these mm-hmm. positions of leadership on campus to now have an organization, like representing an organization that matched everything you were already doing. Mm-hmm. I think I, it humbled me real quick though, because I think while well, I had the, you know, I might've had the equipment to prepare me, you know, so like the tools on know how to make a budget or know how to, sure. you know, run a meeting and do public speaking and, you know, obtain a sponsorship and all these kinds of things. Um, I needed to be humble in it that this isn't my show. This isn't all about me. This isn't my organization. This is a group. This is a community. Um, This is a sisterhood. And so it's, we all lead together. And before that, I was the one who, oh, I know the answer. Here it is. And it's like, but does your line sister know the answer? But does so-and-so know the answer? Then it holds no weight. And so I learned very quickly how to like, again, operate as a community and be in community with other people and realize that I can have all the knowledge in the world, all the skills in the world, but if my sororers don't have it, if my line sisters don't have it, if my chapter members don't have it, it holds no weight. What is it? What is it worth um, if we're not sharing in this together? Oh, that is so good. (laughs) I'm sure in all the experience you have had supporting sorority women across the board, regardless of the council affiliation, who are rock star chapter presidents or rock star mm-hmm. like council mm-hmm. officers who know all the answers, right? They like know yep. their stuff, but <laughs> they can't carry the weight of a thousand member community, right? Because mm-hmm. the other, whatever, 999 members are more likely to make a reputation for a council mm-hmm. or a community mm-hmm. than the one woman who can tell you every founding date, every founder, Mm -hmm. every purpose statement, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that is a really cool, a really good reminder, right? Like it's just not about 
everyone who's got it all together, right? It's about the women who maybe catch on a little quicker than others looking side to side and saying, how can I get other people up to speed? So they find the same value in my organization as I do. So it holds the same reputation or value for women to come in the community, et cetera. That's spot on. I think a lot of it is like, you know, I was doing a presentation the other day and I said, it's not about you. Like being a profite, being an older member of an organization has nothing to do with you, but all about the new members that are coming in, all about what you have to share with them. And so it, I think we get so confused and I, I can admit for myself, like being a student leader and learning leadership, you know, all that kind of stuff. I yeah. was self-centered. It was, here's what Haley wants to do here. And I still kind of have those issues. Haley like, University. Right, like it's Haley's way. Like literally cast, my nickname is Queen Haley. Like no joke, no lie. Like you can find that anywhere. But I so, heard you speak on that power. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is a, this is for real. You can like look up my page. I'm sure you'll hear some, see a comment that somebody says queen. Like I'm no joke. And so, so I'm like, I still, you know, have a little issues there. But <laughs> beyond that, I think it's so important that we understand when we lead or when we join a group, it's a bigger cause, right? There's, there's something mm. bigger than us that's at stake. Yes. I am so guilty of that too. I was 19 when I became chapter president of my organization and I bore the weight of the entire chapter on my little 19 year old mm -hmm. shoulders. Like I can do it all. I don't need anyone else to rely on. I want to be strong. Mm -hmm. I want to be independent. That's not sorority, right? right. Like like sorority is like utilizing your resources, finding humility to ask for help, right. to empower other women with responsibility, mm -hmm. not shrug your shoulders and hold it all <laughs> top of your head. You know, I, okay. uh, I, I think it's important to when women find themselves in roles like you and I after college mm -hmm. too, to like have the humility to also say like, and I'm not saying I did this perfectly when I was in your shoes, right? Because I think sometimes it can be over glorified, like, oh, they speak on this now. They probably had it all together when they were here. Nope. <laughs> and that's part of the reason one of my, one of my, um, like my sole mission that I'm on, like I, I, but when I think about that, it's, I'm reminded that my mission is to help other people not make the same mistakes I did. And I was literally mm. telling one of my mentees the other day, I said, here's, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but here's what I learned from the situation when I did X. And you take, you know, you take what you need, you leave what you don't need. And so um, in that regard, I'm like, I'm on a mission to make sure, you know, cause I didn't have a lot of, the reason why I ran for positions in undergrad, to be honest, was because I didn't see anybody that I could look up to in those positions. And I wow. felt like when I got to college, there was nobody looking out for me. So I was like, I want to be the mentor I wish I had. And even still now, like, I'm like, okay, what? I wish somebody would have told me this, or I wish somebody would have prepared me for this. And so here I am. And I'm like, no, I'm going to help people along the way um, where I messed up or where I got it wrong, or, you know, to, to just, just to help. I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like the, the thing I want to know is what from that undergrad experience was like, all right, Haley, I want to work in higher ed. Like, and maybe you just alluded to it, right? Like, but I want to leave that open because I think, um, wanting to be a mentor that other, that you wish you would have mm -hmm. had wanting to be the mentor that you wish you would have had is applicable to so many different 
areas of life, not just education. It's applicable in any field, I think. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear why higher ed specifically was something that you saw a future in because of your undergrad experience. It's funny because I saw a TikTok literally last night that was like, oh, am I going to grad school just to kill time? Because I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. Or am I actually passionate? <laughs> That's funny. I was like, oh, okay, you're trying to come for me. But, um, and it was in one of my friends said it to me who we went to grad school together. But nonetheless, I think I didn't want to. So I went into higher ed because of the experience that I had as an undergrad. Like I was like, oh, you can do this for a living. Like, this is dope. Like, I want to be the person over leadership programs. I want to be like, that was my goal. And then I got to grad school and I found myself coaching and advising students that weren't necessarily in my office, right? So I was in the programming office uh, for my graduate assistantship. And a lot of students that were affiliated with MPHC fraternities and sororities would come to me and ask questions. How am I supposed to do this? Or I'm having this problem, we're having an issue. We think we need a retreat. Can you plan us a retreat? And there would be all these like one-off, like essentially coaching and advising conversations. And they weren't necessarily quote unquote, my students, right? They weren't my, you know, in my line of responsibility. And Sounds I like that any was, like ambitious sorority woman, like, oh, you need something? I'm there. I got you, right? Like, I'm here to help, right? For you, for you, for you, for you. Never overextended, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and so what I what I found was, oh, they didn't feel included. Um, and there was a gap. They didn't feel like they had a space to go to where somebody understood their experience and they could talk to and, and help them navigate that. And so um, that's part of the reason why I began working in fraternity and sorority life. Um, again, I'm passionate about three things, culture, community, and consciousness. And I feel mm. like in fraternity and sorority, in particular on a campus, if there are councils or umbrella organizations, they're, you know, kind of uniquely positioned by demographic. And so that it, that's largely in part to identity. And so a lot of the work that I do, again, I want to make sure people understand who they are. They can make meaning of, the, of what that looks like and how that manifests in their life and how that impacts their leadership. And I found that that was a good place for me to do that because of the way it was set up. And so that's really why I got to fraternity sorority. Never thought I would. I was literally, I was like leadership programs, leadership programs. Um, and now yeah. I do a little bit of it all. <laughs> I love that. And I, hearing you say you identified a gap really Mm -hmm. aligns with something I've learned about you. That's really important to you through Mm -hmm. getting to know you, um, about how important it is to embrace the space that was designed for you and Mm -hmm. like be present on your path. Mm -hmm. And it almost sounds like you saw this gap, right? You're like in a place that you want to be, but you see somewhere that you're like meant to be. And so you're like, okay, like I I'm going there. What, like, when did you learn that engaging in the space that was like designed for you is more rewarding than like following a more traditional or like standard path? I think it becomes, it's like a, it's a certain level of authenticity that comes with um, when you're on the path that you're supposed to be on versus the path that you wanted for yourself. And so when I think about, when I think about when I've uh, received awards or certain accolades or things like that, 
And I feel like it's a lot of, shout out to Drake, because he has a song called this, a lot of fake love, for instance. So everybody's like, oh, hi, or hey, or, you know, like, let's be friends. I'm like, I don't even know you. Like, I would love to be friends, but like, I tried to say hi to you yesterday, you walked past me, but now I have this like accolade and now we're friends, like make it make sense. But then on the flip side, when I'm walking in a path that I literally just stumbled upon, or I'm there, you know what I'm saying? I'm helping people. I feel that it's more authentic and genuine because there's people who benefit directly from that, who are literally sharing their experience. So like, as a result of you doing this, here's what happened. Uh, because you did this, thank you. you know, because you shared your story, now I'm gonna do this. I'll never forget when I was doing a workshop and I didn't even wanna do it. I was nervous, it was like a keynote, but I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I shared one, a, a vulnerable story with this huge audience and a couple of people, you know, they want to come up and talk and we're having all the conversations. And one member in particular, it was a fraternity man. And he said, I just unblocked all my fraternity brothers, my line brothers. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to go call them right now. Thank you for sharing that story. You made me realize that this is more important than, you know what I'm saying? Like me getting into an argument with somebody. And so those moments for me are like, I'm doing this for the right reasons. Like I just influence somebody else in their life and I still don't even know everything that's going on rather than me doing stuff just for you know what I'm saying like title or because yeah. I'm supposed oh that's the next step oh you're you got your master's now you got to get it like instead of me following a path that somebody else made I'm going along the stuff I'm going along the journey um that was created and designed for me Haley this hits like so close to home right now because I think <sighs> it is so easy whether you're a sorority woman at mm -hmm. 21 years old with like 6,000 followers on Instagram, or you're like a sorority speaker, or you're mm -hmm. in a high profile job, like post-grad, I think it can be so easy for us to look at the optics for us yep. to look at the way things look, the way we're going to be perceived like over the way we feel and like mm -hmm. the contentment and reward that comes behind closed doors that we don't post on Instagram that yes. we don't receive on a stage. Like it actually makes me want to cry because I, mm -hmm. I think about these times in my life when I have cared more about how things look than how they align with who mm -hmm. I am and what I want to stand for. And it like breaks my heart for younger casts, you know, mm -hmm. like it, it mm -hmm. makes me so disappointed that I narrowed the opportunity I had to fit mm. other people's expectations of my life. Um, and I, if literally you don't, if our listeners don't take anything else away from today, I hope they hear how much more rewarding it mm -hmm. is to step into the place that's designed for you, regardless mm -hmm. of if it's a pay cut or yeah. doesn't make sense to the optics because I think alignment with yourself is always going to be more rewarding than any kind of reputation. Retweet, retweet, retweet. <laughs> because at the end of the day, I think we spend so much time trying to appease, and maybe not everybody, right? I'll speak for myself, trying to appease to everybody else's, you know, goal for us. But at the end of the day, when we go to bed, it's, it's just us, right? Like it's just us in our minds or, you know, whatever. And they're not there to help us brush our teeth or, you know, wash our face and those little things, right? And so we have more control of our journey than we think. 
But I think we allow too many outsiders and I know I'm guilty of it and I have been. And so it's hard because these people matter to us sometimes, sometimes yeah. they don't like, but they matter or they have clout or they have a title or they have, you know, I don't know, some type of privilege or something. And so we yeah. desiring something that they have when that, when all actuality, what what's for us is, is way greater and will always be greater than what somebody could ever give you. So. And I think the thing we forget sometimes is all of the people who have opinions about the decisions you make with your life don't live with the decisions. This is Correct. something that I have been <laughs> thinking about a lot lately after being in what seems like a never ending season of transition. Um, I had a lot of input from a lot of people about certain things recently. And at the end of the day, like I'm the one who like thinks about those things before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the one who is like processing, dealing, picking up the pieces, dealing with the Mm -hmm. aftermath of either decision. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really important thing to remember too, is when you're aligned with yourself, you don't have to like explain your decisions to yourself, right? Because you're in alignment with what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. How do you explain to yourself that you're out of alignment with where you're supposed to be because of other people's opinions? Like you'll never find peace with that. Mm -hmm. Like you'll be mad at yourself all the time. Well, I would, (laughs) or you'll, you'll remember that like every, it's almost like a scar on your leg or something. Well, I'm thinking about mine, but I have a scar. Oh, my knee, I fell the other day. I'm so terrible. Did but you really? I did. <laughs> but I'm it's so not sorry. new for me. Oh, it was fine. I'm just so clumsy. Like, I'm literally the clumsiest person. Like, we're out to eat. If Haley doesn't spill anything on her clothes, like, <laughs> let's all go out for ice cream. Because, oh, my gosh. Um, but any, that's probably why I could never go on a blind date. Side note, because I feel like I would just spill something and they would be like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is me. But anyway, um, I think it, it reminds me of like when you're looking at something that somebody else did to you, it's like a reminder um, that it wasn't on you. Like- I don't know. I When I've come to like really a serious crossroads in my life, as I have found many over the past year and a half, mm-hmm. I think about the people and the influences in like the pros and cons of that decision. The people who have helped me make the pros list and the people that have helped me make the cons list. And I have to sit down with it and remove it all and make my own because if I am not making this decision, I will always not blame, Mm -hmm. but think this was so-and-so's decision, not mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about maybe how this could, this concept of like being in alignment with yourself, like embracing Mm -hmm. the space for you, if that's professionally, if that's personally, um, that's relationally. How do you support women in pursuing that? Like, how do you like break this down to be like, this is how you can actually take action instead of just talking about this concept? I think the biggest piece that I do with anything is helping people, we're going to get into culture, community consciousness, is helping them make sense of who they are. I think everything that we want to do, that we aspire to, that we love, that we are attracted to, is related to something that happened in our lives or something that makes us who we are. And so I think so much, so many times we don't spend enough time on understanding what that is. I don't think I ever had a sit down or, you know, conversation with myself or in like a little summer camp or whatever, when I was younger thinking about who am I? 
right? Like, I don't think I filled out an identity wheel, like where it has like all the aspects of your identity. Yeah. I was in college. Well, I was in college, right? Like, so here I am going through these different phases of my life way beyond that. And I'm still making meaning of who I'm, who, who I think I should be based on everybody else's reactions. And I don't even know who I'm supposed to be, right? Like, I don't even know who I am in my core um, until I get to that, until I got to that stage in my life. And so I think what I spend a lot of time on is who, like, where does this come from? Like, I'm always interested in somebody's story. I'm always asking, where do you think that comes from? Or you love one of my good friends. He loves cars. I'm like, tell me about what, why do you love cars? He's like, I don't know. Me and my father used to work on cars all the time. Mm. His father passed away a couple of years ago. He loves going like if he's having a stressful day, if he goes to a luxury car dealership, he's like, it, it changes the course of his day, right? Well, there's a reason behind that. There's context behind that. There's a story behind that. And so helping others understand that so then they can better help other people as well. So I think for me, it's literally, I keep saying the same thing over, but truly it's about helping people understand what's at their core. What is it about you that, that you can give on to others? So I think we all, I used to pre- preach, I used to present on this and <laughs> say, we all have something to give. And I think we do, like we have something of value to this world and to other humans on this earth, but it's up to us to give that away. And so how are we doing that every single day? And it's going to look different for everybody. So. Yeah. And I, I think we often think that what we have to give comes, we can't change. Like, like if we go into college, like I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Like I wanted to go to law school. I took the LSAT my senior year of college. And there's a lot of people in college who told me like, I don't see you being a lawyer. <laughs> I don't know at what point I like lost interest in that. But I remember thinking I'm going to do this just because people like don't think I can. Like I'm literally just going to do this to prove people wrong. Um, and I think a lot of people might not do it to prove people wrong. Maybe their parents said like, oh, you'd be a great social media advertiser, whatever kind of job it is. And they pursue that path because someone else has said like, you would be good at that. And I think it's okay. And it really needs to be normalized that you can change the way you contribute to this world. Like your skills and talents will change. And that means that you're allowed to like re-navigate and find a new path. That's still your path. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm shaking my head a lot right now because I think that, you know, I left a job. <laughs> I literally, literally left a job that others praised me on having the position, right? And like, this is a great platform, like all these different things, but they saw me in a position that I didn't see for myself. Was I good at it? Sure. Like, did it, does okay. it matter? No, <laughs> but that's not what I wanted to do. Like, that's naturally what that's not like, could I do it? Yeah. But that's not where I saw myself. Right in that role or in, you know, contributing to the cause that we were contributing to. And so I think that, again, we have to, and it takes a level of confidence. It takes a, a strong level of self-efficacy because it's hard to block out when people are praising you. It's hard when people are saying, you're so good at this. You're so, oh my God, this is for you. This is, and I try not to say that to other people and be like, you know, this, you, do you like this? It seems really cool that I love when you're doing this, right? Instead of saying, oh, you're a natural, oh, this is your thing, or this is, this is so you, because that might not be their thing. They might just be doing that to, to pass time or, you know, you never know somebody's story. And so I think having a, a level of efficacy in discernment, I, I wish I had more discernment to be able to understand this 
I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna leave this. Like, I appreciate this, but here's my path. Like, here's my path, right? And so um, it's so hard to get caught up, especially as women, <laughs> especially as women, um, young women in particular, people are praising you. You're taught to enjoy that. You're taught to le lean into that even more, but you have to have a level of discernment and understanding yourself to know when to say no, when to fall back, when to move on, um, and when to say yes. What's your love language? Food. <laughs> um, <laughs> when acceptable sixth one. I'm like, ask, like, are we, uh, like, are we serving food? Sign me up spending time with food. Yes. Like, uh, you know, but no quality time. I was just curious because mine is words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. And so I think what you're talking about is a place that I have personally felt stuck in the past when mm -hmm. you receive that affirmation, if it's, um, from an employer, from an outside perspective, from a, like a peer, a parent, a client, whatever. And suddenly you're like, okay, I'm told I'm good at this. I need to be doing something I'm good at because that's how I like thrive like that. Mm -hmm. I'm also a helper on the Enneagram, not to get into like all of the, <laughs> uh, personality assessments, uh -huh. but I, I thrive feeling like purposeful. And sometimes I focus more on how do other people see me as purposeful versus mm -hmm. how do I view myself as purposeful? Where do I find my purpose? Mm -hmm. And I was just curious what your love language was, because I think that can also affect mm -hmm. how feedback or, um, insight from an outside perspective affects the way we view our contributions to the world. Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely related. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Um, <laughs> so, uh, homegirls always got an opinion or, you know, always got something to say, but, um, we but need yeah. eights. We need yeah. eights. We need all the numbers, right? We need everybody. So, um, yeah, I relate. I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you mentioned like, a uh, leaving something of status and reputation where people saw you highly to be more aligned with yourself. I want to like ask if there's anything else you want to add about like how you personally model pursuing your own path, especially in a space that many young women do look up to you. You do mentor um, a lot of people like serve in that role model capacity. How do you model that in your own life? I think stepping away when it doesn't serve me. Um, but it's funny, Cass, I can say that in work, but I can't say that always in romantic relationships, right? Like I can say that, I can say that easily when it comes to work. And it's so funny because my confidence level, all that kind of stuff is strong when it comes to work, but somehow it took a long time to develop in the romantic relationship sector of my life, right? Uh, especially like as a dominant personality, strong person, strong presence, like that kind of um, leader, woman, you know, all those things, but I think for me, it's if I stay, like like I'm I'm more it's more risky if I stay for people who believe in me than if I leave because people are watching me, right? And so I think I'm the first, I'm the oldest in my family, I'm the first grandchild on both sides of my family. I have two younger brothers and a whole bunch of uh, cousins. But I think beyond that, it's always okay. I'm leading a path. I'm charting. I'm charting something. Like I'm trailblazing something. And in order to do that, I know I'm going to have to go through some things that I don't probably want to go through. 
but there comes a point where it's like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I think it comes to a point where it's just, you have to say no, right? Like I value this. I'm not, this bucket is not being filled in my life right now from this, you know, whatever it is, it's time for me to move on. Uh, and that's hard. And that's hard, especially when you want to stay or when you thought you would stay. But I'm telling you, it's so much more rewarding when you leave. <laughs> so much more. The the I don't even have the words. The quality, your quality of life changes um, when you're healthy in all areas of, of what makes you you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> Yeah, I relate to that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's so many people who relate to that, right? And it's like, we don't, but, but how many times do we talk about that? And yeah. I wish we spent more time. I talk to my friends all the time, like, oh, I wish I knew about how to be confident. I wish I knew when to like say no. I wish I knew when to push, you know, like way beyond this. So I didn't struggle as a grown woman. Like, I don't know, like I'm, I, I presented strong and bold on the outside. But yeah. Kathy, if you see me, I'd I be crying <laughs> by myself. You know what I'm saying? I have those moments where I'm screaming in the house by myself. And then I put a mask on and I put it together. Um, so I don't know. It's hard. Super hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's really hard. Um, I think for women like you and I who have a yeah. more like public hmm. um, platform, and we are really confident and we put on a really strong front and don't show up for ourselves in the way that we challenge the women hmm. that we work with too. And I was like suffocating for like months last year while I was like running this platform and like was so confident, like on Instagram and was like, so, um, like proud of the things I was doing virtually and like literally like falling apart it was like the most loss I've ever felt and anyways I yeah I've never had this happen on an episode before I've never had something like hit me so hard that I'm just like totally derailed but um yeah I uh I think you're right and I think the other thing I've thought about is when we stay in something that's not meant for us it sets an example of like what the people that are looking up to us should tolerate mm-hmm. or yep. um, allow in their lives. And I was watching the lack of alignment in the work I was doing and in what I was tolerating in my life. And it's so important. Keep going. Yeah. I'm like, this is so important. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I think what's crazy is like the amount of transition I have gone through, like in the last two months, it'll be like two months next week mm-hmm. has been like the most intense of my life. Right. Like I've, I've physically moved. I've gotten out of a like long-term relationship with someone that I thought I was going to marry. I've living in a city that I moved to for someone else without that person, without their community, without their family. And it's so disorienting. Mm-hmm. and still, and still it would have been riskier to stay. Like, and after mm-hmm. all of that, all of the stuff I've like been through these past two months, it still would have been 
riskier to stay because of the impact and the, not the, like, who cares about the optics, right? Like, but because of the example it would have set for other women I care about. And it's like, okay, like my faith's a huge part of my life. So God, like, what are you teaching me through this that you are going to glorify yourself (laughs) and like teach someone through this story? Because I have no idea how I got so far from myself over the past year. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, it's just Cass. It's like just me. So like, how do I put those pieces back together? How do I, how do I like rebuild? And, um, how do I accept that I am so much happier now than I was before my relationship? Mm -hmm. How do I accept that? Like this really difficult season is what got me somewhere that I love. I love living in Denver. I love her sorority journey. I am like, so thankful for this platform and this community. I'm so much happier than the, my previous employment. Like how, how do you accept both things? And yeah. So, um, that is where I'm with you. Yeah. It's hard. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say when you said it can be really easy to like do this professionally, right? Like have Mm -hmm. it on, be confident, like be strong, Mm-hmm. and not show up for yourself the same way in a romantic relationship. It blows my mind how mm-hmm. I can have both of those sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget when I caught my mom. I was literally laying on this couch. and Well, you can't see the couch, but I called my mom. Because I would always call my friends when I have, like, guy trouble or whatever. I call, you know, whatever. I'm like, I don't want to get them involved. Like, I don't want to always get people involved in my mess. And I just called my mom, and I'm crying I can't even get words out and she's like what like my mom's like ready to fight you know (laughs) she's like what is happening and I'm just like I don't want to be single and I just start bawling and it's just (laughs) it's coming to me but I just feel like that moment and she's like honey if that like there are other things to cry you know there are other things to worry about and in that moment I realized one my mom and I never really talked about relationships we never talked about confidence from a lens of you don't need someone else to validate who you are. Yeah. And if you met my mom, she's like one of the most confident people in the world. Like she could look her worst, quote unquote, like I'm saying, like wear pajamas out to the store and still walk in like she's like on the runway. Radiant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, like she's just like that person um, and does for others and always happy and things like that. And so I think me understanding like, wait, Letitia's my mom. Like, Letitia is my mom. Uh, yeah, like, absolutely not. And so being oh, able to I love go that. through that. And I'm still learning. You know, I'm still growing. It's ever, we're, we're always evolving. But I just think it's, I want to, you know, when I'm around young women, I want to help them understand it's okay to talk about this stuff. I wish I discussed some of this stuff a long time ago, you know, so I could grow through it differently. But everything happens, you know, the way it happens. And and now I'm dealing with, you know, the cards that I was dealt with, but I'm, 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 I'm equally grateful. I'm equally, you know, emotional about the things that have happened to me. And I, and I, feel, and I took it personal, especially when you invest time, this is a job and relationships, right? Like when you invest time, when you invest energy, when you invest parts of yourself into something that's being vulnerable 
And then to have that taken away from you or to have that, you know, go in a direction that you didn't think it was supposed to go to go through. It's the same thing as this path. <laughs> Our path is already designed for us. It's just a matter of if we get in line. And, and so I think it's hard, man. It's, it's so hard. But once we understand that, okay, I didn't been through, I didn't been through some stuff before. Here we go. Like I'm ready. Um, then you're prepared. I was watching, and then I'm gonna stop talking. I was watching the sermon last Sunday with one of my friends, and um, and they were talking about like the storm is a part of it. Now, this is not something we haven't heard before, right? Like when you go through a storm or something bad, that means something's coming on the other side. We've heard this since we were kids. Like it rains, and then there's a rainbow. Like we've heard this for years, but the way in which he discussed it, it hit different because it was saying like this is preparing you, and you're going through the storm. And you're like, oh my God, where is Jesus? Or where is God? Like, who's going to help me? Like, yeah. I'm in the storm. Or like, why am I? Why is this happening? Can you see me? Yeah. Versus, right. Versus just saying, all right, let's go. Like, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to rock. Like, all right, storm, what you got? Like, instead of approaching it with that lens, but it's like, we're fearful and we're so fearful instead of leaning into faith. And it's hard, right? It's so hard. But I'm just like, if we had a different approach, then when the storm passes, we're already like, oh, duh. <laughs> oh this is this is even more exciting than what I thought was going to happen anyway so that's just what came to mind when we were talking about that just like <laughs> bracing for it instead of like like it's gonna come like storms are gonna come and it doesn't mean you shouldn't give yourself grace in the process yes. or like acknowledge that it's hard like and that mm-hmm. you are brave and strong to get through that mm-hmm. but instead of like being like when's it coming? When's it coming? It's like, it's going to come. So when it comes, and I think this is like, I think the enemy also wants us to see us like not follow through with the path God has for us. Right. Like he Mm -hmm. does not want to see us being super committed to our calling and to our purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I think storms come to try to derail us. So how are we going to be strong and prepared knowing that they're coming and not afraid because we are, when we're aligned, there's very little that can derail, derail us. So right. mm-hmm. <sighs> how are you feeling? I feel good. I wish this was like in person, you know what I'm saying? We had an audience cause man, that would have been so powerful. And I'm sure that so many people, <laughs> every time I share a piece of my story, I hear so many people say, no matter how deep I go or how, you know, surface level, but they can relate. And I'm just like, how are people discussing this? How are people getting through this? Like, I don't know. Like, that's that's what I'm thinking right now. That's how I'm feeling. Like, oh my God, yeah. this stuff, these spaces are so crucial. Um, when we talk about women empowerment, this is what empowerment looks like. Not a cute brunch with decorations and you rock. Like, no, like it's getting to the core um, and, and providing each other with armor to get through that storm, to to help each other go through what they're going through by sharing what they've been through. That's what, that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> mm. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think sometimes with these recordings, I get on a bit of autopilot because I have questions and I have uh, an idea of where we're going to go. And I, it's here to highlight you, right. It's here to make the guests feel like a rock star. And I, um, yeah, I just feel like I know you so much better and I'm like so much more connected to you and like truly your sister after, um, 
Yes, yeah, relating on something <laughs> like so deep because what we're talking about really shapes the way we view ourselves. And I think mm-hmm. it's really hard to have conversations that shape the way you view yourself because mm-hmm. we want to portray a layer of strength and confidence that mm-hmm. it's is inauthentic if it's not always there, right? Mm-hmm. When we let when we pretend that we are always that confident or always that strong, it's inauthentic. So we have to let those walls down sometimes to connect. And so I just want to thank you for going deep with me. I, uh, (laughs) I do want to ask one last question as we close, because I don't want to, um, brush over the fact that in your first graduate assistantship, an NPHC student came to you and was like, Hey, can you help me plan a retreat? Hey, can you help me with these programming ideas? Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. And you noticed a gap between the resources that our traditionally white sororities and fraternities were getting and our or multicultural organizations or NPHC organizations. And it's Black History Month. And a lot of the work you do is around diversity, inclusion, and equity. And so I was just curious if you could give us an idea of how the women listening today could support the women of color on their mm-hmm. campus, either in their chapters, in their community, to engage better in the space designed for them. Mm-hmm. So they're, we're closing that gap. Right. I think the biggest piece is understanding that identity is fluid and multifaceted. So I'm not just a Black woman. I'm a Black woman from a two-parent household. I'm a Black woman who is cisgender. I'm a Black woman who is you know, in XYZ uh, socioeconomic status. I'm a Black woman who um, might have, you know, mental learning abilities. You know what I'm saying? So there's all these different aspects of our identity that we can't see at face value. And I think the biggest mistake that we make sometimes in our organizations, this is for everybody, is seeing somebody at face value. Is it important to recognize race and identities that you see? Absolutely, don't get it twisted. I think, and though, it's important to understand what does that mean to them? What is somebody's experience? Ask your members why they join. Don't just go to the the outcast member, you know, based on their identity and ask them why they're there. Ask everybody, what made you join? How do you feel celebrated in our sisterhood? What makes you feel the most confident when you come to chapter or when you're around our members like what really like gets you you know like when do you feel the most beautiful and when we engage in those conversations then we understand uh we might want to rethink this policy or we might want to rethink this structure of the way we do sisterhood events or we may want to rethink the way we match during recruitment we may want to rethink a lot of different things we, we may want to rethink when we say nude, this is a nude for everybody, this is nude for me. You know, like, what does this mean for everybody? And I think the bottom line for sororities in particular is sisterhood. Like, that's the bottom line. Okay, you're a business. Okay, you're an organization. Okay, whoop-de-doo, like leadership, that's all great. But the, the bottom line is sisterhood. And if we don't have that as our foundation, everything else crumbles. It does not matter. We don't hold our purpose. It's not a true you know, organization committed to change and purpose and impact. And so when we think about our membership experience, we have to start at our core. And that's sisterhood, that's belonging, that's connection. And members should feel empowered through their identities. Not, oh, I feel, you know, they they like me, they say happy Black History Month. Okay, yeah. And then like, 
okay, how else do you feel celebrated as a, as a human? Like, how do you feel yeah. celebrated in this space through all the things that make you who you are? Because I'm not, I don't just walk in a space and I'm just a woman. Like my black, my blackness and my womanness are tied together. You don't get one without the other. Like they're literally tied together along with some other aspects of my identity. And so once we can make sense of that, again, this is why I focus so much on building consciousness because it helps us understand culture and it helps us become better communities. So powerful. I think we had a conversation a few weeks ago about how I think we, how we can make diversity, inclusion, and equity work so operational, right? Sororities are like, and we'll do this and we'll do this and we'll do this. And they'll know that we care about this versus will they know that we care about them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> will we know their story, their experiences and will their stories and their experiences and their lived sorority membership mm-hmm. shape the way we make this a space as a community mm-hmm. that they feel a part of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you so much for opening up about that and sharing your insight and definitely uh area that her sorority journey wants to spend a lot more time is how to make every aspect of the sorority experience more personal mm-hmm. including how we view one another and how we see beyond the surface, see beyond how someone presents themselves, because Mm -hmm. if that's the color of their skin or their demeanor or the accolades doesn't give us the full story. And Mm -hmm. so I think we've covered that in a lot of different ways today. And I just want to thank you for your vulnerability to have a really Mm -hmm. deep conversation with me. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being in this space. I feel like we did what we had to do and what we were supposed to say. Um, happen and I'm grateful. Me too. Thank you so much. (laughs) I want to thank you all for listening today. This was an emotional episode, not only to record, but to edit. And I want to thank you for going deep with me just by being a part of this community and listening. I want to echo something that Haley said after we both shared our heartache between being out of alignment with ourselves. That was empowering women. That was what women's empowerment looks like. Yes, it can be so fun to throw a brunch. Yes, it can be so fun to print stickers and send them to everyone that goes to your conference. But if you are not creating space to engage with women in their heartache, in their hardship, in their confusion, through different seasons of life. We just aren't going the distance that's required to truly help build one another up. While the things we can post on Instagram that we do to celebrate women and empowering one another are great, that's not it. That's not the depth that we need. And I think the key to embracing the space designed for you is having women alongside you in your corner on your sidelines, and you being on theirs, cheering one another along toward pursuing each individual woman's calling and future steps of their journey. Sisters, I mean it when we say we love you, we care for you. We hope that this episode inspired you to maybe change one thing about your life in the next week that puts you a little bit more back in alignment with where you want to go 
and who you want to be. Thanks for tuning in to the Your Sorority Journey podcast this week. If this episode left you with any guidance or confidence to navigate your sorority membership, we would love to hear from you. Share a screenshot of this episode on your Instagram story and tag Her Sorority Journey so we can know what resonated with you. Also, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen so more sister friends can find this guidance just like you. Here for you always, sister. 